This hearing of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. Uh, today, the committee will hold a nominations hearing for four ambassadorial positions. I appreciate that each of you has answered a call to serve our country. First, we're going to hear from Ms. Bridget A. Brink to be ambassador to the Slovak Republic. Ms. Brinks previously served as Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Bureau of European and Eurasian Affairs and as Deputy Chief of Mission at the U.S. Embassy in Uzbekistan. Her career has been devoted to European affairs, and I hope to hear how this experience could shape her time in Slovakia and will help her meet the challenges that Russia is posing in the region. Second, we have Mr. Kenneth A. Howery to be Ambassador to the Kingdom of Sweden. As the co-founder of PayPal, as well as an early investor in major Silicon Valley companies such as Facebook and SpaceX, Mr. Howery has helped shape Silicon Valley, and I'm interested to hear how he plans to approach this new challenge, especially interested in Mr. Howery's views on the challenges Russia poses to Sweden today and how we can continue to strengthen the relationship with that great country. Our third nominee is Colonel Matthew S. Klimo to be ambassador to, Turk to Turkmenistan. Uh, Colonel Klimo, thank you for your service to our country, first for your career in the Army and also for your time as Deputy Assistant Secretary for NATO and the Senior Advisor for the Undersecretary of Management at the State Department. Turkmenistan lies bordering both Iran and Afghanistan and, of course, has a long history with Russia given that it was formerly part of the Soviet Union. It also has deep ties to China. We look forward to hearing from you on how you might preserve U.S. strategic interests in the area, given the many adversaries at its doorstep. Our fourth nominee is Mr. John Jefferson Daigle to be ambassador to the Republic of Cabo Verde. Mr. Daigle is a foreign service officer who currently ser uh, serves as the designated federal official for the United States Advisory Commission on Public Diplomacy. Previously, Mr. Daigle has served in places like Cambodia and Iraq. Uh, Cabo Verde is a prime example of how an island chain, small in size, can still have strategic value. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on how we can strengthen our relationship with this nation. With that, I'd like to recommend that we recognize a distinguished ranking member for her comments, Senator Shaheen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and congratulations to each of you, and thank you for your willingness to be considered for these nominations to these very important posts. I am going to submit my opening statement for the record and uh, look forward to hearing your comments as nominees and the discussion that follows. Thank you. Thank you, Senator Shaheen. We're now going to turn to our first nominee, Ms. Bridget Brink. Thank you for your willingness to take on this important role. Your full statement will be included in the record without objection. So if you could please keep your remarks to no more than five minutes, we would appreciate it so that members of the committee can engage you with their questions. Ms. Brinks. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Shaheen, distinguished members of the Foreign Relations Committee, for the opportunity to appear before you today. I'm honored to be President Trump's nominee for the position of U.S. Ambassador to the Slovak Republic. I'm grateful for the trust and confidence the President and Secretary Pompeo have placed in me. If confirmed, I pledge to work with you to advance our nation's interests in the Slovak Republic. I first want to introduce and thank my husband, Nicholas Higgins, for his love and support for over 26 years. A fellow Foreign Service officer, Nick has served in Afghanistan, 
India, and Georgia, and has traveled from Armenia to be here today. We are so proud of our children, Jack and Cole, who are also here today as part of a diplomatic family that has moved every few years for their entire lives I want to thank them for their own service to our country. Coming from Michigan, I know these careers have taken us far from those who gave us so much. I want to acknowledge and thank my mother, Gwen Brink, father and stepmother, John and Judy Brink, sister, Joanna Brink, nephews, Andrew and Andre Brink, aunt and uncle, Mary and Patrick Sane, as well as my in-laws, Adrienne and Kingsley Foster, and my brothers and sisters-in-law, all of whom have been bedrocks of support every step of the way. I have worked closely with our NATO allies and EU partners to advance U.S. interests in Europe throughout my nearly 23-year career. If confirmed, my number one priority would be to ensure the security and safety of my embassy team, as well as any and all U.S. citizens living and traveling in the Slovak Republic. I would also focus the work of the embassy on three main priorities. First, I would reinforce our defense partnership with Slovakia. As a member of NATO, Slovakia contributes to NATO missions in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Latvia. Slovakia also plans to meet the NATO Wales Pledge of spending 2% of GDP ahead of schedule. If confirmed, I will work to deepen our defense cooperation, which shores up security on NATO's eastern flank. I will also encourage increased energy security as a key part of any nation's national security. Second, I would promote increased trade and investment opportunities. If confirmed, I will prioritize the continued health of Slovakia's business climate for U.S. investors and work to improve transparency and accountability. Third, I would underscore and promote our shared values. Since the end of the Cold War, Slovakia has anchored itself solidly within the democratic family of nations. If confirmed, I would support the strengthening of democratic institutions and the rule of law that underpin our transatlantic bond. With Secretary Pompeo's visit to Bratislava in February and President Trump's Oval Office meeting with Prime Minister Pellegrini earlier this month, the United States is deepening our partnership with Slovakia. If confirmed, it would be my highest honor to lead our talented team in Slovakia to build on this diplomatic investment and advance our country's interests there and across the region. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Shaheen, and members of the committee, thank you again for the opportunity to appear before you today. I welcome your questions. Thank you, Ms. Brink. Mr. Howry. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member, distinguished members of the committee, Thank you for the honor and privilege of addressing the committee as the President's nominee to be the United States Ambassador to the Kingdom of Sweden. I thank President Trump and Secretary Pompeo for their trust in me for this important nomination. I also thank the professionals at the White House, State Department, and the U.S. Embassy in Sweden. My mother, Karen Howry, is here, and my father, Ken Howry, is watching from overseas. I owe them my thanks as well. They embody integrity, hard work, and giving back, and instill those values in their children, as my sister, Christina, can attest. She's here today, and her husband, John, and their daughters, Emma and Eden, are watching in Austin. Family taught me the importance of public service. My grandfathers are no longer with us, but their legacies remain. Both served in World War II. 
Fred Howry in the Navy in the Pacific Theater, and Hubert Urich in, uh, in the Army in Europe and North Africa. Without the encouragement of my family and the examples they set, I would not be here today. I'm grateful to them all, and I believe my grandfathers would be pleased that I might also serve, in a different way, the nation they love. A visit to the capital is a reminder that ideas and determination can shape the world. I hope my own experience reflects those principles. When I graduated from Stanford, I co-founded PayPal. Our idea was simple, to make online transactions easy. PayPal started small. We drafted our first business plan in a windowless broom closet. Today, PayPal is one of the world's largest e-payments systems, operating in over 200 regions and countries with over 18,000 employees. But what's extraordinary about that story is how ordinary it is. America's tremendous talent pool and business climate encourage constant innovation. That's true for Sweden, too. After PayPal, I co-founded a venture capital firm that has supported hundreds of new companies, helping create tens of thousands of jobs, and fostering innovation in space exploration, quantum computing, biotechnology, virtual reality, alternative energy, and consumer technologies. One of them is Spotify, which was born in Sweden, has operations in the US, and trades on the New York Stock Exchange. International issues have always been important to me, in business and more broadly. I've participated in the World Economic Forum and am a member of the Explorers Club, which promotes scientific exploration. I also advise Kiva, a nonprofit that helps individuals make microloans to, to fight poverty in over 80 nations. I've had the good fortune to travel to 99 countries, including trips to Sweden, a country for which, like many Americans, I have great affinity. Our two nations share long ties of kinship and common values. The formal American-Swedish relationship dates to 1783, when Sweden became one of the first nations to recognize the United States in the Treaty of Amity and Commerce, co-signed by Benjamin Franklin, our first envoy to Sweden. If confirmed, I will devote myself to deepening that legacy, emphasizing economic and security partnerships. American-Swedish trade already encompasses everything from medicines and machine parts to clothing and furniture. We can expand established trade while creating entirely new opportunities. Our nations are leaders in technological innovation and transnational investment, providing ample opportunities for mutual benefit, which I will vigorously promote. Another priority I will work to advance, if confirmed, is our nation's mutual commitment to security, exemplified by our cooperation on everything from counterterrorism to Arctic concerns. Security and the prosperity it permits are pillars of the American-Swedish relationship. Strengthening those pillars allows us to build great things upon them, including expansion of our artistic, scientific, and cultural exchanges. While there is no perfect preparation to serve as an ambassador, I believe my experience and outlook would prove particularly useful in Sweden. I've spent my career thinking about technology, which is increasingly central to growth. I also firmly, firmly believe that many goals, even those that seem impossible, can be achieved through cooperation, always being mindful that the preconditions for success are, as Franklin showed, friendship and shared priorities. An ambassadorship is a position of honor and trust. I take those ideals seriously. If confirmed, I will strive to do credit to the office, 
always faithful to the values of decency, progress, and freedom that are responsible for the successes of the United States of America, the Kingdom of Sweden, and our 236 prosperous years as global partners. Thank you for allowing me to appear before the committee today. I welcome your questions. Thank you, Mr. Howery. Colonel Klimo. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Shaheen, and distinguished members of the committee, I am honored to appear before you today as President Trump's nominee to be the next United States Ambassador to Turkmenistan. If confirmed, I pledge to work with this committee to advance our nation's interests in Turkmenistan and in the vital region of Central Asia. Before I proceed, I'd like to recognize my wife, Edie. Um, Edie's here today. She's a retired Army nurse. And in the course of serving our nation together, we've had 18 household moves. And we hope to have the privilege to do so again. Our son Daniel is with us. He's an attorney at the State Department. And he's here with his wife, Beth, who's also serving at the State Department. And I'm just incredibly proud of both of them. So as you can see, diplomacy is all in the family for us. Mr. Chairman, the United States has long-term interests in Central Asia. And Turkmenistan presents both opportunities and challenges in furthering our policy objectives. Turkmenistan's geopolitical significance is obvious. It has long borders with Afghanistan and Iran. It possesses some of the world's largest natural gas reserves, and it serves as a bridge between the Caucasus, Central Asia, and the regions beyond. The reality is that Turkmenistan is situated in a tough neighborhood. Porous borders, terrorism, drug, tra uh, drug trafficking are all potential threats to Turkmenistan. Both China and Russia exert enormous economic and political pressure on the government in Ashgabat. Since its independence, Turkmenistan has embraced a policy of positive neutrality to ensure its sovereignty and territorial integrity. Within those parameters, Turkmenistan has supported efforts by the United States to increase regional stability, especially in regard to Afghanistan. If confirmed, I will work to support Turkmenistan's contributions to a stable Afghanistan and ensure that our partnership in this area continues. I will also work diligently to bolster America's influence with the government of Turkmenistan. We have an opportunity to act as a counterweight and a positive alternative to Russia and China's unrelenting push to further their economic and political objectives at the expense of the Turkmen people. If confirmed, I will also encourage Turkmenistan's increased integration in regional and global markets, which promotes greater stability and creates opportunities for U.S. trade and investment. I will make every opportunity to promote diversification of Turkmenistan's gas export markets across the Caspian Sea as well as to South Asia. Economic development, however, is a challenge in Turkmenistan given its weak regulatory environment and its excessive bureaucracy. Also troubling are concerted attempts to control access to information to include the internet and independent news sources. If confirmed, I will work toward making steady progress in those areas. And that effort would include encouraging access to uncensored information and taking advantage of US cultural exchanges and educational opportunities. If confirmed, I will also engage the government of Turkmenistan assertively and constructively across the full spectrum of human rights issues to include the use of forced labor and cotton harvesting and undue restrictions on religious practices. I believe that progress in those areas is possible through forthright, consistent, pragmatic dialogue. Mr. Chairman, in 1948, tens of thousands of people died in an earthquake that devastated the capital of Ashgabat. 
and that seismic fault line is still active. I have spent a great deal of my life living and working overseas, often in dangerous places. If confirmed, I will make the safety of our embassy a top priority, incorporating situational awareness and meticulous crisis response planning in all as aspects of embassy life. I'm not a stranger to Central Asia. In the crucial months following the terrorist attacks of 11 September 2001, I traveled throughout South and Central Asia with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, meeting with heads of state, chiefs of defense, to solidify basing rights, gain political support, and to articulate U.S. national interests. And although much has changed in the following years, those national interests endure. I can imagine no greater honor than returning to Central Asia and representing our nation at this critical time. But the greatest privilege that any person can ask for is to simply be entrusted to lead others. If confirmed, I will work tirelessly to make a difference in the lives of our staff, to forge a cohesive team that strengthens the institutions we deeply care about, and to do so in an atmosphere of mutual respect with dignity as our byword. That is a leader's sacred trust instilled in me at West Point, at the heart of my service as a soldier, and at the core of what we do every day as diplomats and professionals at the United States Department of State. Thank you, Senator, and I look forward to your questions. Thank you, Colonel Klimo. Uh, Mr. Daigle. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Shaheen, and members of the committee. It is my honor to appear here today as the President's nominee to be the next U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of Cabo Verde. I am grateful for the confidence that the President and Secretary of State have placed in me with this nomination. If confirmed by the Senate, I pledge to do my utmost to uphold this trust and to advance U.S. national interests. Over the past two decades, I have been privileged to represent the United States at U.S. missions on four continents. Any measure of success that I have achieved during those postings would not have been possible without the love and support of my family, so I'd like to start by expressing my sincerest gratitude to them. I come from a very large Louisiana family. I have 10 sisters, one brother, and more than 70 nieces and nephews, so I won't name them all here, <laughs> but I do want to single out my, my wonderful mother, Carol Daigle, my father, World War II naval hero, Warren Daigle, and of course, my partner and spouse of 18 years, Matthew, Quinkle, Matthew Quinka Daigle, who is here with me today, as he has been for um, almost all of my Foreign Service postings except the very first one. Over the course of my career, I have worked with governments that are allies of the United States and with those that have had strained ties with our country. I've worked in developing nations and in rich ones. Irrespective of the host country environment, the one constant I have witnessed throughout my service is the positive impact the United States has on people around the world by staying true to our values as we further our national interests. As a public diplomacy officer, I am keenly aware of the direct relationship that exists between advancing U.S. national interests and strengthening our ties with foreign peoples and supporting them in their aspirations for a better life for themselves and their children. Cabo Verde is a true success story in lifting up the lives of its people, having transitioned to a lower middle-income economy in recent years. The country enjoys a vibrant, multi-party democracy and has had an unbroken history of civilian rule since its independence in 1975. This year, we are celebrating 200 years of relations between our two countries, which stretch back to December 1818, when the United States established in Cabo Verde the first U.S. consulate in sub-Saharan Africa. Since then, many people of Cabo Verdean descent have settled in the United States, with New England now home to a large and vibrant Cabo Verdean diaspora. 
Increasing economic growth and development is the top U.S. priority in Cabo Verde, which has the distinction of being the first country to complete two Millennium Challenge Corporation compacts. Both compacts focused on improving Cabo Verde's openness to investment and the private sector, which are playing vital roles in the country's development. Cabo Verde now aspires to have a bilateral trade agreement with the United States, and if confirmed, I will vigorously support efforts to increase trade and investment between our two countries. A key focus will be continuing to support Cabo Verde in strengthening its business environment in support of the administration's Africa strategy and Prosper Africa objectives. Cabo Verde has set an ambitious target to, to produce 100% of its energy using renewable resources by 2040. And in December 2018, Cabo Verde also announced new plans to capitalize on its geostrategic location to attract private sector investment in such areas as tourism, air transport, and maritime activity to advance the country's strategic plan for sustainable development. Both of these initiatives present exciting opportunities for U.S. companies and entrepreneurs to partner with Cabo Verde and help the country reach its goals. In February, Boston's mayor led a delegation to Cabo Verde, and I look forward to welcoming other U.S. delegations and business people to the country wishing to explore trade and investment opportunities. U.S. investors will soon be able to take advantage of the new support and opportunities presented by the BUILD Act and the new Development Finance Corporation. I will promote these new tools as a means of attracting U.S. investment to Cabo Verde, and I will champion the, the country's continued efforts to improve its business climate and achieve self-reliance. Our other top objective in Cabo Verde is strengthening security cooperation between our countries, which is reflected in our strong maritime security and law enforcement partnerships. Cabo Verde has hosted U.S. military exercises such as Epic Guardian 2016 and Africa Endeavor 2018, and the Boston police are providing training on community policing practices. AFRICOM and the U.S. Coast Guard also conduct training and exercises and share best practices with their Cabo Verdean counterparts to enhance the country's capacity to interdict illicit maritime vessels and carry out search and rescue operations. The success of this training was dramatically illustrated by Cabo Verde's interception in late January of nine tons of cocaine bound for Europe. Cabo Verde has also made excellent advances in recent years in combating sexual and gender-based violence and violence against children, as well as improving prison conditions. If confirmed, I pledge to sustain U.S. support and encouragement for Cabo Verde's admirable efforts to continue making progress on these and other civil and human rights issues. Finally, if confirmed, no responsibility will be more important to me than that of protecting the lives, interests, and welfare of the thousands of American citizens who live in Cabo Verde and the thousands more who visit the country each year. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Shaheen, if confirmed, I look forward to working with you and the honorable members of this committee to advance U.S. interests in Cabo Verde and to, and to sustain and expand the progress we have achieved in our long and positive relationship. Again, thank you for the opportunity to appear before you today. I would be pleased to answer any questions you may have. Thank you so much for your testimony, um, and, and that is true for each of you. Uh, thank you also to your families for being here where that was possible. Uh, and uh, I, I mentioned earlier that we appreciate the sacrifice you've made in behalf of our country and our national interests, uh, but I also want to underscore the appreciation we have for the members of your family uh, and for their uh, contributions in supporting you in, in these important roles. Uh, I get uh, five minutes to ask questions, and I have a question to ask each of you, so that 
with a little math, you can figure out how much time I'd like you to spend in the answer. Um, uh, Ms. Brink, uh, Russia's meddling in Slovakia, obviously trying to disseminate in, uh, information that's uh, untrue there. Uh, the presidential election saw a, a pro-Russia candidate get uh, a good deal of support. Um, what, what do you think we can do or you can do to, uh, to help uh, combat Russia's malign interest in Slovakia? Thank you, Mr. Chairman, uh, for that question. This is a really important question. Um, Slovakia has uh, come a very long way since independence. Uh, one of the key areas that where more work needs to be done is on anti-corruption um, and strengthening the transatlantic bond. With the election, the recent presidential election you mentioned of um, a person with a reputation as a strong anti-corruption fighter, uh, I think there will be an opportunity for us to work together on that. With regard specifically to um, uh, malign influence and misinformation, uh, I, in my experience, corruption offers an opportunity and opening uh, for that, which we must try to close. And uh, we have many programs that we work on as, as part of the administration with uh, support and funding from Congress to try to fight the influence. And to be quick, I'll just say we have uh, programs that help to support independent journalists uh, and also the civil so society. We use our own platforms to call out this um, misinformation. And we also work with the Slovak government to help the government identify and find countermeasures. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Howry, we obviously have a very strong relationship with, with Sweden. Uh, it's a country that is committed to uh, defense in a region which, uh, which is dangerous from time to time. Um, uh, are there ways you think we need to uh, uh, strengthen or deepen our security partnership with, uh, with, with uh, the nation of Sweden? Thank you for the question, Chairman Romney. The, as you mentioned, the current relationship between Sweden and the United States is uh, very strong. The two countries have signed a bilateral statement of intent for defense cooperation. They have purchased the Patriot missile system. Uh, we participate together in trainings and exercises. And, um, and so we already have a strong base upon which to build. Uh, if confirmed, um, I would seek to continue both bilateral, uh, strengthening bilateral ties between the US and Sweden, um, as, as well as strengthening uh, ties between um, NATO, which is um, Sweden's a NATO partner, not a NATO member, but strengthening that relationship as well, and work closely with uh, Swedish officials on, on strengthening uh, national security ties. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Colonel Klimo, um, uh, do you have a perspective on what China is trying to do in Turkmenistan? Uh, obviously, the uh, Russians have uh, long had uh, interest in what's happening there, but is China playing a role there, and is there uh, an effort on our part that uh, that should try and dissuade them from becoming too close to any malign uh, intent. Uh, thank you for your question, Senator. And also thank you for your membership and leadership of the subcommittee that oversees Central Asia. Um, you're correct, Senator. China has a big influence uh, in Turkmenistan, and that's understandable. They have historic uh, trading links that go back centuries. Um, Turkmenistan is a relatively young country. Uh, and I believe it's in our national interest to help them feel secure in their sense of sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity, especially when they're dealing not only with China, but with Russia as well. Um, that's good for the entire Central Asia region to have Turkmenistan feel that um, they are strong enough to resist the malign efforts uh, of the powers in, in the region to include China and Russia. 
Um, it's also in our interest to help them with reforms. Um, a stable country is based on the support of its people. Um, it's in our interest to help them uh, bring the Turkmen people into the 21st century uh, marketplace of ideas and technology. I think in that way, they're better prepared to deal with China. We offer them a very positive alternative, um, one without strings attached. Um, and uh, if confirmed, I'll work hard to make that a reality. Thank you very much, Colonel. Um, with regards to Mr. Daigle and, uh, and, and, and Capo Verde, uh, I have to tell you that it's hard for me to pronounce that properly because uh, I, as, as a former resident of Massachusetts, I had a number of friends there that called themselves uh, Cape Verdeans. So I think of it being called Cape Verde. Uh, it's it's uh, it's Cabo Verde, uh, which is a different pronunciation. But I appreciate your your willingness to be of service there. Clearly, the um, the lo location geographically uh, of this nation is of great strategic significance to anyone considering maritime trade or perhaps even naval um, uh, ambition. And it's not surprising to understand that China is making a substantial investment in, uh, in the country. Um, I, I wonder if there are uh, efforts on your part, and hopefully there will be, to dissuade uh, the leadership there from uh, getting involved perhaps with ports and uh, predatory loans that China has been known for, and instead focus them on, on uh, projects that can build the economy uh, for the nation, but, uh, but not lead them to become involved uh, in an uh, uh, unfortunate way with China. Yes, sir. Thank you for that question. Um, as Cabo Verde exercises its sovereign right to choose its own partners, if I'm confirmed, I would really advocate with the country, the country's leaders, the importance of pursuing uh, stronger trade ties with the United States, as well as a, a broader range of trade partners, and also stress upon them the importance of selecting foreign investment that is high quality, inclusive, sustainable, and transparent. So. Um, I think those are the important things to stress with the country so that they do choose things that are in their best interest. At this point, uh, China is very active in, in Cabo Verde, and they have made investments in their infrastructure. But at this point, the Chinese do not hold a significant percentage of their external debt. Thank you so much. We'll now turn to the ranking member for questions that she may have. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I'd like to begin with you, um, Ms. Brink. I recently introduced legislation with a number of the members of this committee to sanction vessels that are engaged in laying deep sea pipe for Russia's pipeline, uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Given your experience in the European Bureau and the fact that there's been no sign that the construction of Nord Stream 2 is slowing down, do you think that the EU member states in Central Europe are doing enough to? express their concerns about Nord Stream 2? Thank you, Senator Shaheen. This is a really important question. Energy security is national security, and um, I think we, we all can always do more. And I would say with regard to Slovakia, um, this is one area that I intend to focus on. Uh, Slovakia. Uh, could increase its energy, its energy independence and its national security uh, by doing a couple things, including by continuing its opposition uh, vocally to Nord Stream 2, which it has been. Um, so I would encourage that. We, as an administration, are also opposed to the second stream of Turk Stream. Uh, in addition to that area, I, I would also support interconnectors 
there are some possibilities of interconnectors uh, to Poland and potentially other neighboring states. We believe the free flow of gas in the region is beneficial uh, to Slovakia and to Slovakia's security. And then finally, there is um, potential for uh, US LNG and bringing US LNG to Europe, which also could change the balance and uh, the dependence on a single country. Um, there's also nuclear energy and trying to bring that down from 100% dependence on Russia would, in our view at least, be in Slovakia's interest. So I would prioritize that. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate your response. I think it's very important that um, we do everything we can to encourage Europe to diversify its electric, electricity um, production and to not have another generation that's dependent on Russian oil and gas. Um, Mr. Howry, one of the challenges in Sweden has been Russia's effort to spread disinformation throughout the country. Um, some, of, some of the instances that have gained traction there have been stories about um, adopted Russian children who are abused, um, horrible stories about crimes committed by migrants. If confirmed, how will you help to counter these false narratives? Thank you for the question, Ranking Member Shaheen. This is a really important question and one that Sweden, like ourselves, has been dealing with. Sweden has been the target of Russian, as you mentioned, disinformation, as well as cyber intrusions um, from Russia. And they've been a partner of ours in pushing back. We, we do share information on the, in the information space with Sweden. They have um, the number of steps that they've done internally to try to push back on Russian disinformation, um, everything from um, training election officials to look for election meddling, uh, the most recent election, and they've actually set up a national board for psychological defense. Um, these are just a few of the countermeasures I know that Sweden has implemented. If confirmed, I would want to speak with uh, Embassy Stockholm and Swedish officials to find out if these or other countermeasures they have taken um, are, they have found to be you know, particularly effective at pushing it back against Russia. So if confirmed, I would commit to prioritizing, um, working closely with Sweden to push back against Russian, um, their destabilizing activities. I hope you'll also plan to meet with the Global Engagement Center at the State Department to talk about what we're doing to push back against disinformation as well. I plan on doing that, thank you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Colonel Klimo, in your written testimony, you talk about the importance of Turkmenistan for its geopolitical um, presence and the importance of the relationship that we have. How do you balance that relationship with the human rights challenges that Turkmenistan is facing? Uh, Ranking Member Shaheen, thank you very much for that uh, very thoughtful and important question. Let me start by saying that I believe there is nothing more fundamental than human dignity. I also believe it's the duty of every American diplomat, whether it's a junior officer reporting for his or her first tour in an embassy or the chief of staff, to be a champion for American values. And those include, of course, uh, human rights, freedom of expression, uh, good governance and democracy. If I'm confirmed, this will be one of the highest priorities in my portfolio. And I believe that I have a role to play in that regard as well. Uh, 
Um, I think part of uh, the first things that I would need to do is to establish rapport at the highest levels of the Turkmenistan government. Um, there are three or four areas um, to include freedom of religion that I would like to focus on, um, as well as trafficking in persons where they're a tier mm -hmm. three country. Um, these are issues of great import, um, and I believe that through forthright, consistent, pragmatic, and disciplined messaging um, and engagement, we can make a difference. Thank you, Senator. Well, thank you. I'm out of time, but your last comment about the consistent, disciplined messaging, I think, is a good reminder of what good diplomacy includes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Uh, Senator Udall. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank all of you for your uh, service. I know all three of you have been longtime uh, career folks. Um, Mr. Daigle, um, small, uh, low-lying uh, islands such as those that comprise Cabo Verde uh, are at the highest risk of suffering from climate change. With rising sea levels, these islands really risk extinction. As ambassador to Cabo Verde, how will you work with the government and the people of Cabo Verde to encourage them to do what they can to address climate change and its impending effects on the islands? Thank you for that, that question, sir. Uh, in Cabo Verde's instance, at least, the, the, the islands are volcanic, so they're a little bit more elevated than some of the lower-lying islands in the Pacific. So the risk of the islands being completely inundated is, is a little bit less. But nevertheless, the effects of climate change are real on the country. They've experienced severe droughts over the past several years. Um, Cabo Verde in Portuguese means the Green Cape, and that is certainly not the case any longer. Uh, there's not a lot of greenery left in Cabo Verde. So it is an issue that the government is seized with. Um, at this point, the country no longer qualifies for U.S. development assistance because it has become a, middle, a lower middle-income country. But I will certainly look to partner with USAID and see what else we might be able to do uh, to assist them in, in coping with climate change, particularly through USAID's uh, regional hub in West Africa. And how would you describe this administration's climate change policy to the country of Cabo Verde? Um, there is a discussion underway as to the uh, the the what is the cause of climate change in within within the government and how we should deal with it. Um, at this point, I think we have, we have made efforts to assist countries in, in coping with climate change and, and adjusting to it. And uh, I will certainly see what else we might be able to do with Cabo Verde, should I be confirmed and, and head out there. Um, Mr. Howery and Mr. Daigle, is climate change a real emergency? Or is it an opportunity, as Secretary Pompeo described it, because the melting ice uh, will open up new routes to trade, even as it floods coasts and low-lying areas. That was a comment made about the Arctic. Mr. Howry or Mr. Daigle? Both of you. Yeah, Mr. Swan, Mr. Howry, why don't you start on that one? Thank you, Senator. Climate change is real, but my personal views aren't what's important. My job, if confirmed, will be to represent the United States and our foreign policy in Sweden. Um, it will not be my job to set policy or to pro promote my personal views. 
Yeah, so what would you describe this administration's climate change policy as to the country that you're um, going to serve, which is actively been one of the leaders in the world in terms of climate change and believes it's a urgent threat and that we should move forward with it very deliberately. Thank you, so, Senator. So what are you going to tell them? What's, what's the United States policy as you understand it? Thank, thank you, Senator. Um, if confirmed, I would help explain that on um, regarding the Paris Agreement, specifically, um, the President has announced his intention to withdraw the country from the Paris Agreement absent the identification of terms more favorable to the American people. Um, if confirmed, um, as ambassador, my job would be to find points of overlap and intersection on environmental policy. Like many challenges we faced in the past, I believe that the role of innovation and new technologies will have to play a critical role. Given my background, I'll look for ways to engage the, the private sector. I believe this is an opportunity to leverage the ingenuity of individuals and businesses instead of just relying on regulation to help protect the environment while growing the economy. So if confirmed, I look forward to working on this issue with Swedish officials. And the two other panelists, would you describe your description of this administration's climate policy and how you will relate that to the country you're serving? Thank you, Senator. And to serve. Um, Turkmenistan is a relatively young country. Um, I would go to first principles uh, in engaging with Turkmenistan, especially in regard to water management um, and the effects that climate change may have on what is a dire situation throughout Central Asia. I would also work with them in terms of uh, smart energy. Um, surprisingly, uh, I, f I found as I began um, my quest to become ambassador to Turkmenistan that they are interested in uh, solar power and wind power. Um, these things, of course, uh, would be part and parcel of a bigger um, energy program. Um, thank you, Senator. The, Mr. Chairman, with your permission, I'd ask, just ask the last witness. To Abs thank absolutely, you for please. The courtesies, you bet. Thank you, Mr. Senator. Uh, the, Slovakia was disappointed that the United States, uh, President Trump announced uh, our intention to withdraw from the Paris Agreement. Slovakia was the, uh, had the EU presidency at the time of the conclusion of the agreement and adheres to the EU position. Um, if confirmed, my goal would be to try to find areas where we can work with Slovakia to address climate change, but also address other issues. And I think there are some areas where we could do both. For example, in the energy sphere, uh, renewable energy is a real area where we can work with Slovakia uh, to try to bring down dependence on a single country with regard to their own energy needs. Uh, also, we all already have a lot of uh, cooperation in the technology sector, and I think that could offer some areas of exploration as well. And I would look for any and all areas where we can continue to work together. Yeah. Thank you for the courtesies, Mr. Chairman. Appreciate it. Thank you. Senator Kane. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and thanks to the witnesses. Congratulations on your nominations. Just a couple of questions. Ms. Rink, first for you uh, with respect to Slovakia. Um, Slovakia has a number of challenges, and one of them is in their military replacing obsolete Soviet-era equipment. Um, we supported the accession of Slovakia to NATO in 2004. How could the State Department work together with Slovakia to help them make the transition to equipment that is more compatible with those of NATO allies? 
thank you, Mr. Senator. Um, this is going to be, if confirmed, one of my key priorities. Uh, we have some good news here in that uh, Slovakia has prioritized modernizing its um, military as, as a NATO member and to move away from Soviet-era uh, military equipment. And just last year, uh, Slovakia purchased 14 F-16s, uh, which is a very significant purchase. Uh, there are also continuing military modernization needs, and if confirmed, I would um, do what I can to advocate for U.S. businesses um, because that would be good, obviously, for our business, but to continue to have NATO interoperable equipment is also good for Slovakia's uh, military. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Mr. Harry, with respect to Sweden, um, there was news this week in the Jerusalem Post and elsewhere about a hate crime committed in Sweden, the stabbing of a six-year-old woman who was a leading figure in one of Swedish, Sweden's large cities, Jewish community. And it highlights how, per, how pervasive hate crimes um, perpetrated against Jews have become around the country and in our own country. I introduced a resolution in the last two weeks with Senator Cruz to focus upon the need for all of us to band together, regardless of nationality or party, to condemn and combat anti-Semitism. Uh, as ambassador, how would you work to try to make sure that anti-Semitism is, is on the decrease and not on the increase in Sweden? Uh, thank you, Senator Kane. Uh, I agree this is a very important issue. Uh, as you mentioned, Sweden does struggle with um, some cases of anti-Semitism, just like you know we have some at, here at home. Jews in Sweden are the most frequently targeted group relative to their size of religiously motivated hate crimes. So it is an issue. If confirmed, I would work with Swedish officials to um, reiterate our support for both religious tolerance and religious freedom, and work together closely with them, and, and would welcome your involvement as well if I'm confirmed. Thank you, Mr. Howard. Ms. Brink, the, the issue has been one slightly different, but also one in Slovakia. In 2015, the foreign minister of Slovakia said with respect to refugees that they wanted it just to take Christians. They were particularly uh, um, antipathetic to taking Muslim refugees. And they cited the small Muslim population. There weren't many mosques. But the notion that on something like humanitarian aid, you would condition it upon people's religion is very abhorrent to me, and I hope it is to you. I hope. Uh, sadly, this is becoming a feature in virtually all of the hearings we're having is what we can do at home and abroad to try to promote respect for that important American value that you are neither preferred nor punished based on how you worship or, or don't worship. And I hope you will also in Slovakia stand strong for that principle. Uh, yes, sir. Senator, I have, um, this has always been something that I have promoted through over 20 years of my Foreign Service career. I will continue to do so when I go to Slovakia, and I know that members of, our, of the Hill, but also our public, it's a key American value, and it underpins the transatlantic bond that we have with Slovakia and also the rest of Europe. Support it is very important. When Senator Cruz and I introduced the bill, I said we came in the Senate on the same day, but I'm not sure we've ever found common cause enough on a single issue to introduce a bill together. But on this one, we were very much in common cause, and I'm excited that it has picked up so many bipartisan co-sponsors. Um, Colonel, let me ask you a question about Turkmenistan. The, since 2015, the U.S.-Turkmenistan bilateral relationship has been assisted and complemented by the C5 plus 1 framework, which is the U.S. engagement really a forum for the U.S. and the five Central Asian 
countries, and we've used that framework to talk about issues like security and economic connections and trade and environmental issues. Talk a little bit about how that framework might assist in your work should you be confirmed as ambassador to Turkmenistan. Thank you for that question, uh, Senator. Uh, in fact, uh, C5 plus one meeting is taking place this week. Um, this is an encouraging sign that we are making some progress, I believe, with the government of Turkmenistan. Uh, they recently volunteered to co-chair uh, committees on environment and um, uh, we believe that um, the fact that they step forward is an indication that uh, there may be other opportunities to work with them on some of the pressing issues regarding uh, human rights. Um, but uh, the C5 plus one fora is uh, a centerpiece. It allows us to engage with Turkmenistan where in many instances it's very difficult uh, to, to reach the government of Turkmenistan in a meaningful way. Great, thank you. Mr. Chair, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you to all of the nominees for your very uh, thoughtful um, and uh, well-reasoned uh, responses to the questions that have come from the members. Appreciate that very much. Uh, we uh, want to appreciate also the questions that have been asked. And at this stage, just note that for information of the members, that the record will remain open until the close of business on Friday, including for members to submit questions for the record. And so with thanks to the committee, the hearing is now adjourned.